when we argue about a dollar that someone's getting or not. Yeah, probably you shouldn't. But if you only focus on that, you're forgetting the human and the bigger issues and the journey with them, the relationship. This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 153. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 153 of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. We're a leadership development company devoted to helping you become the best leader that you can be. In this episode, you're going to get to hear a question and answer session with Dr. Jim Withers, who's the founder of Operation Safety Net. He's also often referred to as the homeless doctor, which I'll explain in a minute. But I really know that this Q&A will challenge you. And I'd also encourage you to listen to his actual talk that he gave at the breakfast, which you can listen to in episode number 152 of the podcast. A few things before I introduce Jim. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, we, this podcast is intended to help you grow your leadership skills. And we're committed to bringing you three or four episodes every single month to help you grow and develop. One will always be a talk from our leadership events. One will be an interview that I do with a high-level leader. And then once a month, you'll get a leadership lesson by me. If you've been listening for a while, we'd really appreciate if you would subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really does make a difference. So thank you in advance for that. I want to thank our sponsors, Henny Jewelers. They are a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. My wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers, and they're just an incredible company. Not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. John gave Laura and I a book to help us prepare for marriage, and he's been investing in me as a leader, a husband, and a father now for years. Um, if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. I want to thank our other sponsor, Alex Dulandon Real Estate Resources. Alex is a full-time realtor with Keller Williams Realty, whose team is committed to providing clients with highly effective premier real estate experiences throughout the greater Pittsburgh region. As a member and supporter of L3 Leadership, he would love an opportunity to connect with you. You can find out more about Alex and his work at pittsburghpropertyshowcase.com. And now let's jump right into the Q&A with Dr. Jim Withers. Again, just a little bit about Jim. In 1992, he started dressing up as a homeless person and actually as a doctor going out and, and administering and treating the homeless under bridges, which is just incredible. That Since then, that has created a worldwide movement of street medicine. Uh, and as a result of Dr. Withers' work, he's literally changing the world on a daily basis. He's given a TEDx talk. He's been recognized as one of CNN's heroes and so much more. Um, but what I really love about Jim is just who he is. He's down to earth. He's humble. And uh, and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and actually go in and actually make a huge difference in the world. And uh, I just think that you'll really enjoy this Q&A session. Again, I encourage you to listen to his talk in the, the last episode and listen to this. Enjoy. I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. Thank you so much, Jim, for being here. Um, my question, I actually loved your quote, what you said about if you can ever give a hug to somebody with advanced, advanced leprosy that you highly recommend it. And I'm curious, we don't necessarily run into somebody with advanced leprosy every day, but what, how do you translate that into things that we can make people feel valuable and worthwhile every day? Where, where do you see the most opportunity for that? Yeah, it's, it's a... That's a real deep spiritual question. Uh, I think, and I'm guilty of not doing this a lot, but to just slow down your agenda, whatever it is that you're trying to do, and, and, and try to be present to the person in front of you. Um, you know, you have to, as a, as a medical person at least, you're in this machine that just goes faster and faster and faster, and it dehumanizes not just the people that are going through the system, but it dehumanizes you because you're just another prison guard. You know, you're not really a human. There was a um, a paramedic in uh, 
a, a program that started from a student of mine who had been homeless as a child. Uh, she started Santa Barbara Street Medicine Program, and I go and give annual lectures there. And a young woman came up with a paramedic outfit on. And she said, I, I think I want to work with these people. I said, well, that's great, because we don't get too many first responders. And she said, I want to make it clear, I hate the homeless. I hate them. I try to help them, and they don't treat me like a human being. They, they yell at me. They, they swing at me, and sometimes they spit in my face, and I hate them. I said, wow, I like this. She's honest. And she said, I want to work with them like you do, which I thought, wow, what an insight. So I came back um, that summer, and we did rounds. She had her volunteer shirt on, and she said, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. I love it. I love these people. She said, but you know, some of the other paramedics are angry at me because I'm working with those people. So it's the humanity. It's the, it's the moment of recognizing the human in each other that I think is uh, it's an art form, but you have to be vulnerable and open enough to do that and recognize that if you don't do that, then everything you build is on sand after that. Um, but it's, you know, just be aware of that key part um, in, in any interaction you have. So, so my question with that is, how do you keep, I don't want to say keep your soul intact, but when you see reality, you, you walk people through things that a lot of people have never seen. How do you actually deal with that when you go home? Like, how do you just deal with all the pain and tragedy that you do see? It's in reality, but a lot of people see that and they want to turn the channel because it's like, I can't handle that. How do you, is that just in you? Is that something you had to learn? Do you take like three day retreats and it's like, I just need to refresh? Well, I mean, the ultimate of that was the, uh, Symposium. It's a community of people that we know what we're talking about. And people get super excited about it. I think that um, you need time. I, I, saw, I heard a sermon once, the, the market in the mountain, where Jesus you know, was spent time in the mar- market, but then went back to the mountain. And I think you need, you need to protect your, your, your soul, your, your time, uh, reflect on what you've, um, you've been through. You, don't, you can't own it. You just can't own, you know... Mother Teresa said, I'm just a pencil, a little pencil in God's hand. I think that the people we work with are the pencil sharpener. It makes us sharper. But um, I think it, it, it's a lot about uh, seeing, seeing it as a blessing to be able to be in people's lives. One of the groups at the hospital that was the most stable nurses was the oncology nurses. And I always wonder, why is that? And I think it's because they felt like they were needed. They were there for people that were really needed. So um, if you really love what you do um, it, uh, and you feel that it has purpose, I think it gives you energy. But you do need to have time away from it, and you need to have a chance to talk with each other. Other people are going through it. Because I felt very alone when I started, and that was, that was difficult. Hi, Jim. My question is, what, do you, what advice do you give to people who maybe feel overwhelmed or paralyzed by the so much need that they sometimes don't do anything? Um, what would your advice be to those that just to get out there and actually do something, whatever that looks like? Yeah, I mean, it's the starfish story. I mean, you know, uh, you've all heard it probably. The storm washed up a million starfish and the the old man or the young boy, whatever, is is washing them off, throwing them back one by one, and someone comes along and says, you're not making any difference. There's a million starfish. 
And the, the old man says, well, I'm making a difference to that one, you know, and throws it back in the water. So I think it's, again, not owning the, the, the pain of, of reality. But I think it's so satisfying to actually be dealing with reality instead of pretending like it doesn't exist. Uh, it's like you're eating real food instead of junk food. Uh, so um, I think giving it up to you know a higher power is is really really important, uh, and and seeing yourself fr- as as uh, a, a being part of of something bigger, uh, and at least doing your part to me helps a great deal. I I tend to I used to ride horses as a kid, so I, I understand being saddle sore, and I think you have to shift around a lot. So sometimes. It's about the person right in front of me. Sometimes it's like, ooh, developing a new, a new system. A lot of times it's having students like Kate, who came from Dartmouth, just for this, you know, to share this with. And the teaching is really energizes me a lot. Uh, but you just you can just kind of move around different elements, and you become an adult learner. Whenever you go outside the bounds of what uh, the system has laid out. Uh, you have to become an adult learner. In other words, learn because you need it, not because you're told to learn it, and uh, get comfortable with that. I just have a question about how, <clears throat> from like your time allocation perspective, when you started, how you were balancing your traditional job with kind of like this passion that was emerging, and then how that played out over like the decades that followed. Like, did you continue to practice medicine in a hospital setting, or was there a point where you just broke away and did this full-time? Yeah. um, I'm a funny combination of uh, a risk-taker and a person who's scared to take risks. Uh, So um, I, someone told me, you know, start your own nonprofit, you know, don't be beholden to anyone else, you know. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. But for me, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that insecure level of insecurity. Um, I do a lot of kind of friendly counseling of a lot of people who said, "I want to be a street clinician." Where do you go for that? There is no place you go for that yet. Um, and hopefully, we won't have people on the street, and that won't be needed. But um, I chose to sort of hedge my bets by finding an organization. I'm not Catholic, but I, I could see that uh, the Catholic health system that I was in had a deep, deep roots, that soil that I could grow in. Because whatever I wanted to get involved in, they'd be a little more tolerant because it was doing God's work. So that was a really smart choice. Um, and then not pushing it too far too fast was really important. I stabilized my career a lot by connecting it with something like teaching so that you can kind of get away with things that, you know, are new because uh, it's teaching. So that helped. Um, Honestly, becoming a doctor helps because you're kind of guaranteed a minimum salary that's not going to be too bad, um, which was an earlier choice. Um, And then, you know... Working with partnerships, my I'm still doing some of what I originally was doing, but largely it has kind of just shifted over here, where as opposed to five percent with street work, now it's like ninety percent has to do with street work, 
and travel and stuff like that. And I'm still teaching and I'm still seeing patients and I'm still working for the same people that I started with. Um, they've kind of pulled their hair out over the years about me, but they've learned that I, I'm going to do my job and that I'm doing it from a place that they also believe in. And communicating that to my bosses has been really uh, important. I've had to learn to do that. So I don't know if that helps, but, you know, there's, for street medicine at least, there's no um, standard pathway for it. Some people, one of my former students actually treats movie stars and street people. And so she gets a lot of money here and she applies it there. And other people put themselves in positions that are, you know, affiliated with what they believe. Um, there's a there's like you're going across the grain because the world wants you to do what it wants you to do to make money, and you want to do what you believe in, and so you have to kind of keep connecting those two. Thank you again for sharing your story this morning. This is great. Um, my question is. Yeah. What would you have done differently, or what have you learned that you wish you would have known at the beginning? Those are good questions. Um, I, I don't know. It's so hard because there were so many moments along the way when I wanted it to go this way. And I was oh, so angry, you know. And then I got almost forced to go this way. And then I look back and said, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I went this way instead of that way because that was a dead end. Um, so I don't trust my judgment <laughs> too well. I trust my instincts. Um, but um, I don't regret anything, really. Um, I mean, I, there's skills that I lack, but I've been able to usually find... I don't know if you guys are too young to know who Mr. Magoo was, but, you know, he, he walked along blind and people and things rescued him all the time. So I feel like it's the Mr. Magoo effect I've, I've had. You could look at it as a faith thing as well. But um, sometimes I wish maybe I had had the capacity to start my own nonprofit from the beginning because that would have given a lot more degrees of freedom. And I've had to fight for the street folks, and I've had to fight for the education um, as my you know, support system has shifted over the years. Uh, but I also feel like having to fight for it made me understand it better. Any, any else, anything else about that? Or? Yeah, well, I don't want to get too too personal about this, but so I committed myself to the Department of Medicine at Mercy, like like a sacred thing, and I was fighting for what I saw as their legacy of service and teaching and being in the inner city, and I I fully committed myself to that. And that's why, I, that's why I started going under bridges, is for them, for that teaching. I didn't go on the street to save homeless people. I went on the street to save doctors. And that never really took very well with the Department of Medicine, because that's not on the boards, you know? And they thought, 
he's got something he likes about street people. I hope he's not mentally ill, you know. Um, and and so I found myself getting slowly fired. Um, they, I don't know if you have office space. I have a, a red swing line stapler. Um, but they, they, they said, well, we're not going to budget for you and uh, as much. And you could take money from your grants. And so I found myself having to work for the street folks and still wanting my first love teaching. And, um, and, and that, that frustrated me a lot. And then when the hospital was sold, I suddenly couldn't get out of the parking garage. And I said, why not? Cause you don't work here anymore. I said, really? <laughs> and so I had to fight my way back to the, a part-time position at the hospital. Um, and I was angry. And then, but I was still with the sisters. And they created this primary care organization on the South Side that was everything I could have ever dreamed of. I mean, they were, they had a psychiatrist right next to me to see the patient and all these services. And it was, uh, it was better than I could have ever imagined at the hospital. I'm still going to the hospital because I still love them and I believe in what they do. Uh, and I love teaching there. But now I have my students who are, Actually, way cooler. <laughs> They're at the right stage where we could talk about life and philosophy. They teach me so much. They come from all over the world. And so I'm getting my, my teaching Jones like better than I could have gotten there. But I resisted it. I was really like. So I'll wrap up with the last question. So it's twofold. One, there's a lot of talk about toxic charity. In the world, right? People, and we see it a lot of ways sometimes people come down because they want to pat themselves on the back and just say, hey, I'm going to do and go back. Can you just talk to everyone here about how to actually make a real impact in an organization, whether they're passionate about homelessness, there's the kids, whatever their cause of choice is, what would your encouragement to them be to make the biggest impact on that organization? And then can you just wrap up with telling us how we can connect with what you're doing and not if people are interested in connecting with Operation Safety Net and the ways we can partner with you? Okay. Was that three questions? Probably. Okay. Um, I kind of missed the one in the middle a little bit. Toxic charity is a really important thing to think about. Um, uh, We have been accused of um, enabling and all kinds of stuff, uh, which is an interesting thing from people from a great distance to assume. And I, I'm always wondering why do people, why do people uh, want to put you in a box like that? It's like someone who, a doctor who doesn't go in a patient room and see somebody, saying we just making them sicker by going in there. You know, getting close to it is the only way to see what's going on. Um, yes, you can enable people. You can, you can do things in a way that make them weaker. Um, there was that, that book, Toxic Charity, and there's some others that are really good at this. Um, if you really want to get deep, read Paolo Freire's work, Pedagogy of the Oppressed. But the, um, the thing is that, uh, when you've been with someone in a snowstorm, um, they can lie to you, they can get away, they can, they can sneak an extra pair of socks, they can do these little things. Um, but deeper, there's something much stronger that's being built. Uh, and you get the right to talk to people and say, you're kind of full of crap today. You know that? And they, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you're right. 
I mean, you get the right to say that because you've been there with them. Um, and you can only get that by, by uh, going to where they are and being with them. Um, and so we try to keep a, a handle on stuff, but we also we don't get crazy about the small stuff either because it's just small stuff. Um, and I think, to put it in Christian terms, I think Satan actually enjoys when we argue about a dollar that someone's getting or not. Yeah, probably you shouldn't. But if you only focus on that, you're forgetting the human and the bigger issues and the journey with them, the relationship. Um, and people like to argue about that kind of stuff. And I think it keeps, gets them a little further away from the human beings. Um, but you need, to, you need to be accountable to it because you can get off on a path and realize, you know, we're really not helping someone with this intervention as much as we thought we were. Um, and maybe withdraw it or, or do it differently. I forgot the middle part, and the last part was how to connect. Yeah, can we share about Christians? Say if you know if people want to get involved. Um, well, I, you know, as far as operations, there's a lot of organizations, Light of Life and many others here, that have probably seen more people than we do and have structures that are more user-friendly to larger numbers of volunteers and stuff. Uh, we do need people in a winter because we run that, sh- that shelter on Smithfield Street. Um, at the church and we need groups to give to provide meals and if we don't get them we order pizza but it's much better to have groups of people that can come and and serve the food and then you get to see these folks that they really come out of the furthest corners of our community and um, I mean I used to have that feeling when I served f- food at Light of Life but you get it in spades down there because you see these vulnerable vulnerable people and you realize um I'm part of a group that's there for these guys and women. And, um, and so it really enhances your, your soul a lot. So helping at the winter shelter helps. We can always use, uh, support because we have so many loose ends where, um, you know, we could use some cash for that, this or that. Um, when someone can't for whatever reason get their meds, you know, we have a couple places that we can just say, it's on us. Just go there. Get your meds now. And we give meds. And so there's things like that. So there's financial needs. Um, I think one of the things that's on my heart right now, has been for a while, is to be part of a community that doesn't allow itself to begin to hate people who are suffering. To see yourself as a victim of someone who's sleeping in a gutter. Um, there's so much anger directed at street people. They're murdered. Their legs are broken. They're burned all over this country and here. And no one really cares that much. They're not like real people. Um, and to me, it's really a much bigger thing. But how can you hate people who are suffering and see yourselves as victims of them? Yeah, they're making stupid choices, but they're not the same people usually. Those people have now gotten housing. Um, So just try to really tone down any conversation you hear uh, that's directed hatefully or negatively about people that are uh, sleeping under a bridge because um, you may not know what they've been through. 
Um, you know, that to me, and pray for them, you know, because um, this hate stuff just isn't getting us anywhere. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to our Q&A session with Dr. Jim Withers. You can find ways to connect with him and what he's doing at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 153. You can also listen to his talk that he gave in episode 152 if you want to go back and listen to that. And I've also interviewed him in the past for the podcast in episode number 56. So I highly encourage you if you, if you connected with Jim, go check out those episodes as well. A few things before we close, I want to let you know that we recently introduced the L3 Leadership Membership. For just $25 a month, you can now become a member of L3 Leadership. You'll get into all of our breakfast events for free. You have the ability to join a mastermind group and you have access to our member only site filled with extra content, resources, and courses to help you go to the next level. For more information on leadership membership, go to l3leadership.org forward slash membership. I also want to thank our sponsor, Bab Inc. They are an independent insurance broker, third-party administrator, and consulting firm in Pennsylvania, and they do business all over the country. And they're led by my friend, Russell Livingston. Uh, Russell has a huge passion for developing next-generation leaders, which is why he hosts our monthly leadership breakfast. And we just so appreciate them. And they're doing some really unique things in the in the insurance world. So if your organization would has any insurance needs, please check out Bab Inc. at B-A-B-B-I-N-S.com. That's Babbins.com. B-A-B-B-I-N-S.com. And lastly, if you want to stay in touch with L3 Leadership and everything we're doing in our upcoming events, you can sign up for our email list at L3Leadership.org. And you'll also get a free copy of my ebook, Making the Most of Mentoring, my step-by-step process for getting meetings with leaders. Again, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. It really helps us grow our audience. So thank you in advance for that. And as always, I like to end with a quote. And Mike Tomlin recently said this, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He simply said, find meaningful ways to use the platforms God's given you. And I'm so grateful that that Dr. Withers does that. He has meaningful ways to use the platform God's given him. And I would encourage you to take that same challenge. Use the platform God's given you to make a difference. Thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much. And we'll talk to you next episode. (music) 